What is up, everyone, and welcome into the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. I'm Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, the managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the June issue of Modern Drummer 2015. We're going to get into the It's Questionable segment and talk about e-drums and living with e-drums in apartments. Are they silent? Are they good for your technique? Are they bad for your technique? We'll get all caught up on the news. Elvin Jones' Tama kit that was featured on the cover of Modern Drummer back in the day is up for sale on the internet. We'll talk about SJC being featured on CNBC's show The Profit. And we'll also talk about Will Kennedy's recent visit to Just Drums in Toronto, Canada. We'll dive into the cover story of the June issue, which is all about Mr. Benny Greb. And in the gear review section, Mike will be checking out the Peisty Masters Dark Crashes and Hi-Hats. We've got a lot to get to, so let's get started. What is up, Mr. Dawson? How are you doing today, buddy? Hey, everything's good. Everything's good. We're uh, a little bit of news that probably give you the scoop. We're we're prepping for our 40th anniversary at the magazine. 2016 is actually 40 years of Modern Drummer's wow. existence. Has it really been around that long? Yeah, it's hard to believe, right? Man, I remember doing an interview for a, a podcast, and I said, "Yeah, man, I've been reading Modern Drummer since I was like six years old." And then I thought, like, like. That can't be right. Like I think I just lied. I don't think it's been around that long, but it's really been a long. It's been around two years longer than I've been alive. Yeah, it's pretty pretty long run, and so we got a bunch of projects in the works. Some I can't really talk about yet, but you know we're just getting all the the wheels in motion, taking up some ideas. Some- dude, dude, I get it. I get it. You just want me to practice my chops and be ready for the big <laughs> thing. I get it, man. It's all good. I I've been working really hard on this new rack tom fill that's just gonna blow everyone away. So just. What, however you have to send the invitation, you know, like courier or whatever. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I got it. I'll be your main speaker, main performer. Uh, that's cool, man. Well, congratulations, and please tell everybody around there congratulations as well. Yeah, so we're, you know, ramping up everything. It'll be more video content, more products, you know, just more, more, more. Good, man. That's awesome. Well, that's cool, because Modern Drummer, you know, uh, for most of you guys that don't know, this this podcast is really just something that Mike and I wanted to do literally for the reason of just doing it, but it's because we want the world to experience Modern Drummer the way we did as kids and how it kind of kept us in the loop. So uh, just hearing that the magazine and the product is growing is awesome, especially after 40 years. That's really cool. Yeah, and then this weekend, uh, I'm, I'm heading to the Chicago Drum Show, but we're also sponsoring the Philly Drum Fest down in Philly. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I've I've gotten a couple emails about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that I can't be in both places because the the Philly show has JoJo on the show, on the stage and Mark Juliana and John Roberts, Jeez um, Louise. and a bunch of other people. So it's going to be a pretty killer show. That's awesome. And is this an annual thing or are they just starting it? This is the first one, so we'll okay. see how it goes. I mean, we're 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 involved, so hopefully we can. This one goes well, and we can just do more and more with them. If that's your first one and that's the lineup, you're starting off well. Yeah, well they've been it's uh they've been doing these these like weekly hangs with or monthly hangs with a drummer. I think they're called like Beats and Banter or Beats Bruise and Banter, something like mm-hmm. that. So they've been building steam for a while. We weren't involved in those, but when they went for a full day festival, we jumped on board as a as a sponsor. So Cool man. That's awesome. All right, well, let's get to the this week's news. There's a couple different things to talk about. Something you texted me about last night, which was, uh, judging from the time zone, you were up late last night, because I got the text around 8 p.m. my time, and it was like, dude! So tell everybody what you found on the internet. Well, it's kind of ironic. We were 
the last podcast we were talking about Peter Erskine switching to Tama, and I brought up the fact that Elvin Jones actually played Tama towards the end of his career. Not, not at the very end, but towards the end. So then I just get an email from, I'm, I'm a merchant on Reverb.com. I yep. sell used gear and buy a lot of stuff from there. So I got an email from them that, hey, Elvin Jones' actual Tama drum kit from 1992 is on sale through uh, Don Bennett's shop in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. $10,000. It can be yours. <laughs> Man. Hey. It, and uh, and the pictures, it looks nice. It's a, it's a six-piece kit, right? Yeah, it's a big kit. and it's the Two kit. up, two down? Yeah. And it's the set he used uh, for his modern drummer cover back in 1992, I believe. Wow. So if you have that really issue cool. sitting around, it's that actual kit. It's, you know, it's up for grabs. Natural stain. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Yep. Uh, well, I, I got, um, I started getting text messages from students around, I'd say, 4 p.m. my time yesterday. And it was just like, I, it, and it, they were veiled. I think I was supposed to know what they meant, but I didn't know what they meant. It was just kind of like inspiration from my teacher's teacher and that's all i got and i said oh, okay right on man and then uh then eventually a picture came through and it was uh will kennedy who was uh my private teacher for a while uh will kennedy did a clinic at just drums in toronto canada and i've done a clinic at just drums and it's a father and son operation and the the vibe in the room is unbelievable and then if you put will kennedy in that room and let him be will kennedy the smiling happy amazing stud fusion drummer that he is i can only imagine that it was pure magic in the room and i really probably by the end of the night ended up with about 15 different emails texts and uh, social media posts from people that were at the clinic and just said it was it changed their life and that's a really it's good to know that that you know that clinicians aren't just the guys like me matt halpern jp bouvet the young guys that just have all this energy there's still some of the cats that really you know are pioneers for our instrument that are still out there doing it. Um, and Will kind of rides that line. He's got the cred of the old school cats, but he's just as hip as anyone else that's out playing right now. So it was really cool to hear that. Yeah, I got to tell you a story. I just remembered uh, this was would have been in the early days of email and websites. <laughs> I, uh, I've i been a fan of Will's forever. I had one of his videos and all that. So I just found his website, and he was actually taking questions through his website. So I just emailed him a, a couple of questions. I was learning a, uh, I was in college, so this would have been like the late 90s, so before YouTube and all that. Uh, and I was working on one of the Yellow Jackets tunes for a fusion ensemble in college. So I just emailed him like, what is the pattern here? What are you doing? How do you count this? And the dude got back to me. I, I, we had probably a half a dozen email exchanges. Like He gave me a, basically a free email private lesson. And and this wasn't Mike Dawson from Modern Drummer. This is just no, this a was, kid in college yes, some, named Mike some Dawson. Some idiot in West Virginia who's trying to learn a, <laughs> a, a yellow, yellow jacket. jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. That's the kind of guy Will is, man. Uh, you know, when I reached out to him uh, to to be my teacher, um, he didn't know who I was. I mean, the, you know, touring fusion drummers are not watching YouTube drum lessons, so he had no idea who the heck I was. And he couldn't have been kinder. And he said, so are you serious about the instrument? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm very serious. And he's like, okay. I mean, is this something you really want to do as a profession? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. This is like two years ago. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty deep into it. And he's like, okay. And then like we got, we kept going and kept going. And then finally he was like, okay, so is there a way that I can see you play or something? And, and I was like, yeah, like the new Pearl ad that you're in, 
I'm on the cover of that issue. And he's <laughs> like, oh, I, he's like, oh, I know who you are. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I am serious about this. I do want to get better at the drums. And, and then it, we just started this awesome relationship. And But what was great was in the beginning, he had no idea who I was and he couldn't have been nicer and couldn't have been sweeter. And that's a really cool thing when people treat you like gold and they have no idea who you are or what you do. Yeah. And that's Will Kennedy for sure. What'd you so. go to him for? Uh, pulse. Oh, that's just, right. Yeah, you told me you that. You know, I just um, wanted things to have a pulse, and I needed somebody that wasn't a friend. I have, you know, some of my friends are the, some of the best drummers in the world, but we're too close. I, I just don't trust that they would have um, the distance in our friendship to be able to say, hey, look, your timing's out of whack. This is this. This is that. Um, and I think when you're studying with somebody, you want to be studying with somebody that's an expert at what you wish you could do, and Will is that for me. Like, I wish that my groove, my chops, my soloing, everything that I played had a pulse to it, and Will, to me, kind of exemplifies that. So, Sweet, man. The last piece of news was the SJC show um, on CNBC. The show is called The Prophet, and that was a really cool thing to see a 45 or 30-minute TV show done on our industry, shot with real cameras, shot in kind of a reality TV style, but not a web documentary, real TV, and I, I thought it was really well done. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. I didn't see it live, but last night I watched it through the the app to see it, mm-hmm. CNBC app, and yeah, that's how I saw it. Yeah, it was. I didn't expect what it was, not at all. I didn't expect as much tension. I'm not surprised that it that it's a difficult business to try to be a custom shop manufacturer. I mean, that's kind of been around here. We talk about it all the time. Like, there's so many custom shops, but how are they possibly making a profit? Because it's the parts are expensive, the labor is intensive. Um, and you got all these big guys who can just ship in containers from China and right. just undercut you. So it, I wasn't too surprised by that, but just the, the tension within that company, I had no idea. So it was, and you know what? It brought a certain humanity to them that, that I didn't have before. Right. Which yeah. is why I love documentaries in general. It doesn't matter what it is. It always brings a certain humanity to where now I relate to them as humans rather than three letters on the front of a bass drum head. Yeah, I think I was definitely... You know, the drum stuff was cool. Um, We had a custom drum shop here in Sacramento called Shine Custom Drums for a while, so I was very familiar with that. Um, So SJC kind of was the... It was a very similar situation, except for they've been able to stay in the industry. So I was kind of used to that. Obviously, the personal tension I wasn't ready for, but what I was most, I guess, proud of was Mike. um, Mike's willingness to just be vulnerable and show the world i mean show really the world like hey you know some bad i haven't been the greatest guy in the past with my brother and you know i mean the whole drama of the whole situation was really cool and um and i'm really you know i think it if anything more people will be rooting for them you know i took some heat last night on social media for posting about it and posting how excited i was about it because people were like what's up with gretch man and it was like yeah. dude i I love Gretsch. I choose to play Gretsch. That has nothing to do with the fact that I'm excited to see our industry get some love. And I'm I'm proud of somebody that has passion. I don't care if they work for Pearl, Tama, Yamaha. I love drums. You know, my love for drums will always tr- trump my love for any one company. Yeah, and I hope a lot of other companies, like small startup drum shops, see that as well and realize that there's, they, they made all the classic mistakes. I mean, not having their inventory in check, not having their production in seamless, not having a clear leader, all that stuff. It's like I hope I hope that transfers over to a lot of other people because I want more people to start companies, but I don't want them to 
five years out disappear. It doesn't help anybody for a drum company to pop up, make all this waves, give all these artists free gear or discounted gear, and then just disappear. Like, that's just tragic, and it's happened several too many times. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> now, and, and I think of anything, it was a great business lesson for anyone that watched it. You know, you can watch it as a drum fan if you want, but you can also watch it as a great business lesson because the business practices that were installed at SJC that are now their new practices, those are not innovative techniques. Those are common, common business practices. All right, well, let's move on to the It's Questionable section from uh, Modern Drummer. What issue was this, my friend? We are talking the June 2015 issue with our good friend uh, Benny Greb on the cover. Benedict Greb. Always rocking. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get into Benny in a little bit. Uh, so we're going to talk about the It's Questionable section. This is something where we got into e-drums and apartments. And uh, e-drums, guys, if you don't know, are electronic drum sets. Roland makes them. Yamaha makes them. Uh, God, who else? Uh, Alesis. Cat. Alesis. So there's, you know, uh, there's a ton of companies out there. I think Roland and Yamaha are kind of recognized as the two leaders. But there's, you know, there's some myths about electronic drum sets and their purposes and what they're good for, what they're bad for. So right off the bat, what is your vibe on, on e-drums? Um, I think they're a great tool. I'll give you two two examples. When I got the, first got the gig at the magazine, I had lived above a business, so I couldn't play my drums. So I had to get an electronic kit. So had I not have invested in an electronic kit, I wouldn't have been practicing at all for like five-plus years before I finally moved out of that apartment. Wow. Um, so in that regard, indispensable. And on the, on the professional side, I've done probably half a dozen full-length records on on e-drums really strictly uh, e-drums that are triggering sample software so wow. i mean if i didn't have again if i didn't have them i wouldn't have gotten these projects so i had our just call me up like hey i use easy drummer do you have it yep can you track some drums for me and just send me the midi absolutely that's you know that right there is kind of one of those things that i think is really important is when you have an e-drum kit it's getting you at least slightly familiar with a brain, with triggering, with samples, and things that might come up even on your acoustic kit later in your professional life. If you are a professional drummer, you have to understand how to trigger samples. You have to understand how to work with a multi-pad because you're going to be in a situation where you're playing an acoustic drum set and the artist says, hey, just when we get to the bridge, instead of a snare, just give me hand claps. And they don't understand all the technical crap that goes along with doing that, but they expect you to, and you better be able to give them hand claps on two and four, whether it be through a sam- you know through a triggered snare drum that's triggering off some samples or through uh, a multi pad. And so I think even having the cheapest electric kit in the world gets you familiar with triggering and pads creating sounds. Yeah, and as a you know as a hundred percent acoustic drummer before that, I can say that it was both good and bad for my playing. Um, yeah. Starting with the positives, I would say that I had never heard the the attack of my strokes as cleanly as when you put a pair of headphones on and you play an e drum kit. So, for timing, I mean, it was like putting a like the Hubble telescope on my timing. <laughs> like I could hear, I could, I could literally hear every transient of my bass drum not lining up with the hi hat. So, it was frustrating. So, you will sound if you're used to playing acoustic drums, which have a little bit of a delay when you hit them. There's not that immediate response. It's gonna. You're gonna sound like like poo poo when you get on the electronic even. drums. <laughs> like especially if you record it. Like yeah. So, so for me, that was like okay. I got to get my timing together because this this is not good. If I'm gonna be recording this way, 
Like, I can't be relying on my touch to, to soften that attack because that attack is sharp no matter what you do. So that's the positives. The bad, the bad for me was uh, I lost track of my touch a little bit, which I've always prided myself on my touch. But when you hit a pad, it just gives you the sound, a perfect snare drum sound. If you hit it in the center, off center, or with different velocity, I mean, it gives you the perfect sound. And and it's you know it's it's hard to get a good sound on an acoustic drum. So that was something that I was leery of, and it, it did take me a while to get it back. I think there's also a mental issue that I've noticed with my students. Um, you know, there could be some serious brain study done on this with the relationship of the physical touch in the correlation with what you're hearing. And the reason I say that is a lot of times when my students come here to camp and and they play a very, very soft bass drum, I know for, I'll say, oh, do you have an electric kit? And they go, yeah. Uh-huh. And and the reason I know it is because the bass drum is the one thing that if you hit it hard on an electric kit, you're going to shake the apartment. You are stomping on the ground, literally. But what you can do with an electric kit that you can't do with an acoustic kit is you can hit the bass drum much softer and just turn that fader up. And your your ear hears this douche, douche, this massive kick drum. But your body is feeling a very small kind of impact. And so they're training themselves that that impact is related to that sound. And that's not the case on an acoustic kit. So when I have students come here and they play a really weak bass drum, I know that they've been trying to not annoy the neighbors by stomping on the ground. But but they've heard this massive, you know, arena sample bass drum very loud because they just turned the fader up. So I think, like like you said, if you go into practicing on your electric kit with the right mindset and you think, this is not for touch, this is not for feel, this is for me to work out patterns, this is for me to work on my independence and my timing, I think it can be great. If you trick yourself into thinking, whatever I do here will translate to the acoustic drum set, you're wrong. And in my opinion, they're not drums. They are electronic percussion devices, and they're very similar to the difference between a keyboard, a non-weighted keyboard, and a piano. The techniques, a lot of them will cross over, but the touch and the feel will not. And so any of my students that have an electric drum set, I just encourage them as much as possible, whether it be through renting a practice space or going to a buddy's house or playing in church or playing gigs, just get on an acoustic kit as much as you can so you don't lose the touch and the feel. Yeah, and I would also practice on my electric kit without the module on, so then I wasn't being fooled by yeah. the, the the samples coming in my ear. So I'd just use it like a practice pad kit. I think that's as beneficial sometimes, if yeah, not more. It, then you can you can deal with the velocity of your bass drum, for instance, yeah. rather than exactly. hearing it, you're feeling it. Totally. Now, do you have any opinion on the different pad types? You know, there's the standard rubber pad that we all started with. Well. After what was what was the really hard one that was like hitting a block? Was that D drum that made that Simmons? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll that'll give you some carpal tunnel. <laughs> yeah, tendonitis makers. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I mean, let's say that you know if we go as far back as to rubber pad, the standard rubber pad that comes on the cheaper kits. Then we have obviously the Roland mesh heads, the V drum heads, and then we have the Yamaha silicon heads uh, that are kind of like the foam. Do you have an opinion on either of those three? I mean, if I had to, to choose, I think the Yamaha is the closest to the real feel of a drum for me, okay. for my touch. Um, and and Mapex has their version of it, too, the uh, infused. Oh, the new one. Yeah, the infused. that's like yeah, a yeah, rubber-based yeah. pad that feels pretty good. I would go with that. I, I'm not a fan of the mesh head because it, it really doesn't feel like a drum to me at all. It feels like a trampoline. Yeah. And you can really trick you yourself. You can take advantage of that rebound. Like, yeah. oh, I can play really, really <laughs> fast. 
yeah no i can i'm I'm actually pretty darn good on a v-drum kit i can blaze man but uh yes yeah, so i prefer uh, yeah. the rubber because it just it's it requires more physical it, they're louder i mean that i think the advantages of mesh is it's more silent it's closer to silent yeah whereas the rubber you're going to be annoying people no matter what the other thing that i do like about the mesh and and full disclosure i'm a yamaha electric artist so um but the one thing I do like about the mesh heads is that you can use a drum key and change the tension. I'm not saying that's better or worse, but the one thing with rubber pads and with the Yamaha pads, they are what they are. You are not changing it. Um, so it is cool with the Yamaha, or I mean, sorry, with the Roland mesh heads or any other company that makes mesh heads, you can change the tension, but I, st I still feel that trampoline thing there. Um, I will tell you guys this on the Yamaha stuff, as the diameter of the drums gets smaller, the, the bubbles inside the foam get smaller as well. So it's actually creating like the 14 inch pad is, or I'm sorry, the 12 inch pad has a looser feel to it than the 10 inch pad. So they, they did try to, to work with that a little bit. But none of them are silent. I think that's the myth of being able to practice silently now. It's almost worse no. <laughs> sometimes. I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, we have three electric kits here that our students can practice on um, during camps, and they create as, almost as much noise as three drum kits going yeah. full board. <laughs> yeah. So, All right, let's move on to our cover story man, Mr. Benny Greb. You got the chance to interview him. Now, when did this interview take place? It, it happened pretty quickly, so we were just waiting for him to give us a release date for his DVD, and then as soon as we got that, it was it was within, you know, a month of of the release. So when was that? That would have been in March. I was he in him. Germany when you did this? Yeah, we did it all via Skype. He still hadn't finished the DVD. It was it was in the final edit stage. So the version oh. I saw didn't have color correction, and the special effects weren't finalized and all that. But it was just one long. Uh, download one long movie file really yeah it's a big file yeah so it was no chapters or anything like that but yeah so we we talked via skype for and the cool this might be the first time i've interviewed someone where what is printed in a magazine is the entire interview there was no it was one conversation there was no follow-up there was no major edits it's basically as you read it is how it went down wow it's really pretty cool. cool i mean it kind of a testament to his precision as a intelligent human being he, he doesn't waste these immense words no he's he's got the uh the efficiency thing down you know after spending a lot of time in germany and spending a lot of time with some of my favorite german drummers you know um with yost with annika with benny of course um the one thing I really love about Benny is he's got the german efficiency for sure but he mixes it with the california san francisco hippie thing you know like He's as creative as any Californian hippie that you'll find, but he's as efficient as, you know, what we what we kind of perceive to be the German efficiency. And that's a that's a deadly combination, man. And it's very rare to have those two come together the way it has inside of Benny. Yeah, it's true. He's got a good sense of humor. He's not afraid to make fun of his own Germanness at times, which is Right. It was nice to, to have that kind of his personality kind of came out in the conversation. He admitted, you know, cuz the whole conversation was was hinging on the fact that I didn't believe that Groove could be taught initially. Got it. So when, when the assignment came up, I was like, yeah, I want to do that one because, I mean, I have Steve Jordan's DVD, and it's like top five of drum DVDs in my book. The Groove is Here, I believe it's called. It's like, if he can't touch that, then why, why bother? So I was going to go in and be like, I don't believe that this is true. I don't believe you can teach Groove. <laughs> I think you have to figure it out for yourself. 
That's a great uh, way to start an interview that's supposed to last like two hours. Yeah, well, the first question was basically, you know, this is a a pretty daunting task that you have people, you know, come at you and say it couldn't be done. That was the first question. And, of course, he said, yeah, friend said I wouldn't do that or it, it, it's a gift. That was the whole thing he kept coming back to. Like, we, we all fall back on this myth that things are just a gift from God. And some things are. I mean, sure, LeBron James has a physical gift from God. But when it comes to playing a drumbeat with a good feel, that's not a gift. That's a, a learnable skill. And he convinced me within, you know, when I put the DVD on, within the first five minutes of the first chapter, I'm like, all right, I'm convinced. I know what my weaknesses are and why I thought the groove was a gift because I hadn't addressed these timing, these subdivision concepts. Yeah, and I think it's actually an insult um, to consider somebody to be gifted because you're stealing their hard work. You're saying you didn't work. And I think that's the one thing I got out of watching the DVD. I've watched it probably three times now from beginning to end. I even had a viewing party over here at the Mike's Lessons facility where I was like, okay, you have to buy this if you want it. I'm not, I'm not putting this on your hard drive. You cannot have mine. I paid $40 for it. But if you want to watch it, and you can't afford it right now, we'll have a viewing party in my lobby. And so I had some drummers come over here and we watched it. And the one thing that I got out of it was you can't make a three-hour DVD on Groove unless you've practiced Groove like on an obsessive level. And that's the one thing I got out of it was, wow, man, he's cared about everything, not for this DVD. This is probably what he was doing when he was 17 and 18 yeah. and 19 and 20 and 21. And I just... I really came out of it with a deep respect for his groove, almost like the stuff we said about SJC. Now when I hear Benny Groove, I have even more respect for it because I know what went into it. Right. And it, it, instead of me just stealing his hard work and saying like, oh, he's so lucky, he's so talented, now it's like, wow, man, that's what all that hard work will give you. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a fantastic DVD. And it's also, it's an easy excuse. Like, oh, I can't do that. He's special. I'm not special. I mean, it's it's an excuse for us as as humans to be like, all right, I I don't have to worry about that because I can never do that. Right. Maybe you can never dunk a basketball, but again, I know anyone with four working limbs can play a basic rock beat in perfect time with enough practice. Sure. He he proved it with his exercises, and, and it was like, for me, the whole DVD is like, it's it's really a painful look in the mirror. Like, yeah. <laughs> can you do these exercises? If you can't, then your groove is not going to be good. And stop making right. excuses until you can do these exercises. Yeah, and I think that um, the only negative for the DVD is the fact that not, the exercises is exercises the exercises they're not fun they're they're daunting like they're it's it's hard like you said to look in the mirror and be like I can't even play quarter notes in time. And what you have to understand is the whole reason these exercises are in this DVD is because he couldn't either until he practiced it. These aren't. This isn't a collection of exercises that Benny crushed on his first go around, so he's giving them to you. These are all the things he couldn't do, and he worked really hard to be able to do them. And now he's saying, okay, you guys keep asking me about groove. You keep asking me about groove. You want to know how I did it? Here's how I did it. Good luck. And I think you, know, you have to be prepared to put in the next two or three or four or five years of your life into this while still working on the things that you love about the drums. But if the the thing that I, I can't really get myself out of with the practice is I can't think of a genre of music that I enjoy that doesn't rely heavily on groove. Right. I mean, you know, I just can't think of any kind of music where it's hip to be out of time, 
not care about technique. Your touch doesn't matter. You know, everything that I wish I could be better at relies heavily on groove. So these are things that I have to personally work on. Now, you were telling me when we were talking a while ago on the phone that you're actually practicing some of this stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I every day, I think his the thing with his exercise, I'll give you I'll give you one as an example. So we're not giving, you know, we're not talking about it in the ether. So turn your metronome on and have it instead of clicking on the downbeat, have it click on the E. So every time you hear the, the click, that's not the downbeat, that's actually the E of, of the of the count of the 16. And for you guys out there, he's not saying that you actually find the E setting on your metronome. He's saying turn on your metronome and then in your head flip the downbeat to the E. Right. So then the first you know, the first thing to do is can you even snap your fingers on the downbeat and have that thing maintain the ease? So I've been doing that. Oh, I went, I started with the easier one on the ands. So that's probably a better place to start. Have the metronome click on the ands. And then what I've been doing is just working through nothing but practice pad exercises and just having that thing never, never shift. Like making sure that that click is where it's supposed to be. The ease and the uhs are very difficult because they're like, they're like tritones in minor seconds in a major scale. Like they, they want to go back to the downbeat so bad. I've been working on it myself, and yeah, it's you're you're right. The e's and the o's give me some fits. Yeah. So in in the DVD, he talks about playing a groove to that stuff. I think that is putting you like a year ahead of of where you are. So just playing basic like sticking patterns. Um, I've been actually using the content from his first DVD, the language of drumming, and playing his alphabet with the click going on different parts of the beat. So that's, you know, it's been every day. And then the other exercise of his, see, my biggest weakness was subdivision, I discovered, through watching his DVD. This other kind of stuff, as far as dynamics, like sound and stuff, because I have a background in classical music, that stuff was second nature to me. Because in classical percussion, sound is everything. So all that stuff's like, oh man, I'm glad I, I've, in relaxation, all that stuff, for me, I've been focusing on my whole life. I've been afraid to focus on subdivision because it's so painful. <laughs> it's so <laughs> painful. So that first chapter for me was that's all I'm practicing. That's that's my weak limb. Nice. You know, so that's awesome, man. I haven't gotten to the point of playing grooves with that stuff yet. I'm still just practice pad. But it 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 after five minutes and discovering that I could do it, I, I'm I know that I'm better. I'm a better drummer. I just know it. Yeah, and I think one thing that you get out of the DVD, by the way, guys, if we haven't even mentioned it yet, but the name of the DVD is The Art and Science of Groove by Benny Greb. And um, it, it just came out. You can get it on his website. You can order it or you can order you can order it like the physical DVD or you can order the download. I did the download. I will say it's a little bit tedious as far as you end up downloading all of the chapters in zip files. So if you just throw it onto your iDevice or any kind of device, you're going to have probably 50 files. What I did was I just took all of the files in sequential order, threw them into Adobe Premiere, made one big three-hour file, and then just exported it in a format that could be read by all my devices. And it's a little time you know, con- consuming, but it's really not much more time consuming than if you got the DVD shipped to you and then you had to rip the DVD onto your computer. So um, it's worth doing, but the content is is so amazing and and you can get i mean you can literally just pick five minutes anywhere in the dvd and just watch it 20 times and get something new every time so the the content is so rich and i know benny very well and he's told me in the past i mean we we started talking about this dvd probably three years ago at nam that's how long this has been on his mind he was showing me all the intro stuff for it that he had shot with the um, marmalade camera 
So this is this has been on his mind for a long time, but his vibe on teaching is he's a very busy drummer in Germany, in Hamburg. He doesn't have the time to kind of be everybody's best friend all the time and do all the social media and stuff. So his vibe is I want to give the world a giant chunk of information every two or three years, and it'll take them two or three years to digest it before my next monster chunk of information comes out. And I think it's very cool that you know, he's doing this in a way that it's like, man, these are kind of his secrets. It's up to you to practice it. And if you do, you're going to get a lot out of it. So definitely check it out um, and check out the cover story in the June issue of Modern Drummer because I've, you know, done things with Mike in the past and I I don't want to toot his own horn while he's on the podcast with us, but he's a fantastic interviewer and he knows how to let the artist kind of breathe and talk about what they really want to talk about rather than the basic questions of, what was your first drum set, you know? And do you like nylon tip or wood tip? <laughs> it's like, uh, dude, this is a modern drummer. Can we go deeper? And Mike definitely goes deeper. I also transcribed some of the of his beats from his various records, so you can kind of relate his his groove concepts to some like tangible transcriptions. Awesome, that's really cool. Well, definitely, guys, get the June issue, check it out, learn more about the Grebster. All right, let's get into our gear review section. Uh, Let's see, you reviewed a lot of stuff in the June issue of Modern Drummer, but the one that really stuck out to me was the Peisty Masters Dark Crashes, and you per- you personally reviewed those, correct? I did, yeah. Uh, I was a fan of Peisty's 20 series when it first came out, and yep. these are kind of like an offshoot of that. It's it's a, like a more of a Turkish-style, but Peisty cleanliness <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. line of Perfection. symbols. Perfection. So they sent the 2018 and 16 inch Masters Dark Crashes and the 14 and 15 inch Hi Hats. Um, and as I expected, the crashes are like perfect. <laughs> There's really <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing That's bad awesome. about them. Uh, they're, I mean, I took them to a bunch of gigs and they just, they just fit with anything, any kit, any style, any genre, any other symbols you might have. They're just, when you, when I hear a, a symbol crash in my head, these are it. Yeah. Now, quick question. Where are, these aren't made in Turkey though, right? They're just Turkish style. You know, I don't know anymore. I know for the 20 series, they were getting them made in Turkey and then brought over, but I, it, I don't know what the status is with the masters. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious too because they do have that look and feel of a Turkish symbol, um, and they sound buttery. And that's something that I was a Peisty artist for 14 years, and buttery was not an adjective that I would have put into their symbols. I would have used words like crystal and you know shimmering and clarity, but buttery I would reserve for you know old K's and some of Meinl's stuff, some of the Turkish stuff. And when I heard these, especially the 18 and the 20, I was like, wow, that's a buttery crash symbol. That is gorgeous. So if you're, you know, some people are Peisty loyalists or, you know, or Zildjian loyalists or whatever. If you're a Peisty loyalist, but you've been wanting that kind of buttery, kind of Turkish thin crash, because that was, I guess, my only gripe with the 20s was they were on the right track, but they were so thick. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh man, these, these, this, this isn't what I'm looking for. Uh, but these, these might be what you're looking for, you know? Yeah, and the 20 inch is actually a really great light ride as well. Nice. So I was able to use that and just a regular, I think, what did I have? I had a, a K Custom medium ride. So those two symbols, I was able to get two ride symbol sounds and two crash options. Nice. So and how, how were the 15 inch hats? They were funky. The hi hats were really, oh, really? 
I mean, if whereas I thought the the crashes were universal, the hi hats were pretty particular. Like they were definitely really? like jazzy. Like I okay. would define them as jazzy, kind of funky, little gritty. The fifteens were, you know, you had to be prepared to handle those types of symbols. Like they wouldn't work in every situation. The fourteens you could probably use in anything, um, and they still had that that Pisces hi hats to me always have a certain crispness that is like instantly identifiable whenever right. i hear a record like for instance i'm listening to john mayer's record heavier things and there's like th- i think three drummers on that record i know the steve jordan tracks by the christmas of the hi-hats i just know yeah. it there's like a certain intangible like high end to all their hi- hi-hats so these have that but they're also really kind of funky and gritty um yeah, I was actually going to ask if you think that maybe Steve Jordan would be playing these 15s as his new hi-hats, you know? I don't think he'll go from the 17s ever. <laughs> <That's just laughs> Is that him. what he plays? Yeah, he does 17 signature crashes. That's oh his hi-hats. Yeah, and that's so identifiable. I mean, in on sessions, he's using other stuff. And on the on the Mayor record, I don't think he's using the 17s. I could be wrong, but they're definitely Pisces. Well, let's uh, give a listen to these buttery crashes and these funky hi-hats. Uh, you were the one that got to record these, right? I did, and there's a video as well on our website if you want to check them out in action. Let's give them a listen. time for our picks of the week so we're gonna change it up and have mike start so what's your pick this week my pick is not something cheap but i think it is affordable in uh in its relativity so people need laptops obviously especially drummers and they need powerful laptops but the problem is powerful laptops are massive so a lot of people will get say macbook airs good laptops i have one of those uh but not everybody (laughs) Contrary to popular belief, not everybody is a Mac guy, and I'm actually not a Mac guy. I have Macs, I have Apple products, but I actually prefer to work on a PC. And recently, Dell released the XPS 13, and it won the CES Award, Consumer Electronics Show Award, uh, 2015, for the best laptop. And it is just like a MacBook Air as far as it's light. Um, The weight is very light, and it's a 13-inch, but it's an actual 13-inch screen. And what I mean by that is... 13-inch laptops usually have this huge bezel around the edge and then and it comes in about an inch on all sides and then you have your screen. The Dell XPS 13 actually has what's called an infinity screen where the screen goes all the way to the edge of the casing of the computer. So you get more screen real estate. So it's almost like having a 15-inch laptop screen in the size of a 13-inch laptop. It's really cool. I've had mine now for about six months and I've been doing all of my clinics with it. Um, and it's just the engine inside of it is amazing. And the main reason I got it was so that I could edit videos on the road. And for any of you laptop slash video guys out there, you'll know what I mean when I say this. It is amazing to be able to edit 
in Adobe Premiere in full resolution on a 13-inch laptop. And that's what I've been doing. I've been taking footage straight out of my SD card into the laptop and editing you know, at high res. I will say this, though. You do need to get the entry-level one is $799, which I think is extremely cheap for a, a high-powered laptop. Spend the extra $100 because if you get the $899 version, you'll get an Intel uh, Core i5 processor instead of the i3 processor. And that's what you're going to need to move this footage through your laptop and do, you know, kind of big kid rendering stuff. It comes with Windows 8.1. It's got a four, four gig memory, which may seem a little bit low, but it does come with a 128 gig solid straight state drive, which gives you that Apple feel. Solid state drive will allow your computer to boot up right away. As soon as you open it, it boots up and you're ready to work. You don't have to wait for that Windows kind of three-minute lull while your computer's booting up. So the Dell XPS 13 inch, I went with the non-touch because I just don't like fingerprints on my screen. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) Well, my pick is on the exact opposite side of the spectrum. (laughs) Uh, Like most drummers, I've struggled with lower back pain since my mid-20s. So uh, you know, sitting on a regular throne for three sets is like the worst thing ever. I, my tailbone feels like it's going to snap off and I can't move the next day. So I found the Spinal G drum throne, which I believe is licensed through Ahead. Um, they're their own company, but Ahead, I guess, bought a, a certain number of them and they're selling them. So mine is an Ahead Spinal G throne. And it has like a maybe a half-inch column down the middle of the, the seat. So your tailbone is actually floating rather than pressing onto the, the cushion or the metal plate underneath. Um, and I've had almost no uh, tailbone pain since I've had this. And I took really? it on the, I took it on the, po- the road with me. I, so so the, well, the road was like the, the best experiment because we were driving six hours a day, playing an hour, driving a couple hours to the hotel, and then repeat for 35 days straight. Oh. So I was on my, my butt all day, every day, and I didn't have any pain. I was really worried I was, wasn't going to be able to make it through, but you know, I have to say part of it was this, this throne. So if anyone has any lower back pain, there's another company called Carmichael that makes a slightly different one that has a much wider channel. That's what I was going to say. This looks like a much more narrow channel than the Carmichael throne. Do you know, does it come in other things than just the saddle throne? Does it come in a round throne as well? I believe they have the the company makes several different versions. The one that okay. Ahead is offering is just the saddle seat. I'm yeah. I'm fairly certain, but I know they do a round. They have a couple of different ones. I have the saddle seat, which I've always liked because being taller and sitting sitting high, sometimes a round seat cuts off circulation on yeah. my legs. So I wanted the saddle seat. But yeah, it's it's been a great throne. I use it every gig, and when I when I can't use it, I can feel it. Like when really? during set okay. breaks, I'm like, wow, my tailbone bones feels like somebody just punched me in the back. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So list on this is about two fifty guys. You you can probably get it at any retailer for about one hundred ninety nine dollars. Um, so check it out, especially if you're looking into back pain, you know, or tailbone pain. That's something really cool. And it's good to know that you've actually been using this not as just a product review, but you're using it for yourself personally. Yep, it's the best piece of gear I've invested in in a while. That's awesome. All right, everybody. Well, that's all we've got for Episode 7. If you like the podcast, please do us a favor and head over to iTunes and give us a nice little five-star rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And please give us reviews, too. And the reviews can obviously be critical. Like, you know, if you want to hear more of something or less of something, let us know. Uh, This is a podcast that we're making for you, and we don't mind adjusting it for you as well. So, Mr. Dawson, I will talk to you in a week. Have a good one. All right, you too, brother. Peace. Peace.